When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are the Suns the team to beat in the West? What can the Warriors do to adjust for the rematch tomorrow? How good is Evan Mobley and the rest of his Cavs teammates? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show slash podcast recording. Uh, I am joined again by Andrew Combo Salop, who has joined us two weeks ago, and will be here, I think, every other week to discuss the NBA. So, uh, Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Anytime, Coach Nick. It's always great being on your platform. Hope your holidays are going well, and uh, it's always great talking basketball with you, Coach Nick. Absolutely, and forgive me, Combo. I, I won't call you Andrew, and you don't need to call me Nicholas, and we'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you watch the game last night? Did you have a chance to see the uh, Suns versus the Warriors? I did. It was great, and the Knicks-Nets game was great as well. It was a good night of NBA basketball, Coach Nick. Uh, it was. It was. Now... Um, I have I watched the last like half of the uh, last like most of the fourth quarter of the Knicks Nets, and uh, there are some troubling things going on. My mind is now blanking. But um, what was it down the stretch that was that that game? I don't even remember. But Thibodeau it, it seems to drive me nuts a lot with his like end of game decision making. Um, but I we'll talk about that as it comes back to my mind. But let let's talk about the Warriors and the Net and the uh, Suns because I'm kind of curious your take. I just dropped a video on that, and um, it, people are getting like having a big um, a big reaction to it so far. So what were what were your thoughts initially over what this means in this in the first quarter of the season? I mean, Steph didn't shoot the ball great. I think that had a lot to do with the outcome. Even if he shoots the ball okay, I think the Warriors still have a great chance to win. Um, Chris Paul is phenomenal. I feel like maybe his athleticism isn't the same as when he was young, but he might be even more skilled in the mid-range than ever, even though he always had that in his game. Mikal Bridges is such a difference maker, and I don't think there's a defender better in the league not named Draymond than him. It's quite possible he might be the second-best defender in the NBA. I don't know your thoughts on that. Uh, Yeah, well, here's the thing. Um, And I'm not going to bring up Evan Mobley just yet because I got just absolutely (laughs) roasted yesterday on Twitter for my take on his defense. But um, so I'm on record as thinking that Draymond is could very well be the best defender of his of his era, if not of all time. And I've also on record as showing how much I really love Mikael Bridges. I've done at least, I would say, two videos on him, I think last year alone, uh, where we spent at least a little bit of that video talking about how good his defense is. So um, without question, I mean, here's the thing the Warriors were doing that was interesting was they every chance they got, they were getting him off of Steph. They were trying to ball screen or screen off him and force the switches. And Steph had no relief because either it was like Jay Crowder, who's a good defender on him, or it was Cam Johnson, who's long and can move his feet really well. Uh, even DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, I, I think DeAndre Ayton deserves a lot of credit for his defense as well. He's just terrific. Yeah. He blocked the Steph three-point shot. I mean, we never see that. And it was, it was a, mo- a moment where Steph could have done his little, uh, and I showed it in the video because a lot of times, Steph will let the ball float before he shoots it, which really makes it hard to figure out whether he's going to shoot it or, or cross over or go. And he did a quick, uh, like a, a, a really uh, short hop gather, which the, the, the dribble ends right away. There's only one thing he can do, which would be left, right to the left, and then try and shoot it. And he just timed it perfectly and just blocked it out of there. So I, I just felt like maybe the, the Warriors are trying to go too fast. Uh, for a lot of the game and we're like turning it over and just even aside from turning it over just taking some bad shots yeah DeAndre Ayton he's such a presence and it's great to see that all the money stuff that's going on with him isn't distracting him from his play he seems to be playing with a great attitude he's a presence on both sides of the court and he's just playing so big like he's showing you that you know he's imposing his will as a big man on that team so it's really good to see for sure for sure and you know a quick perusal of the um Comment section, which is, uh, I don't know, did it freeze? Because I don't see too many people, com- you know, usually it's a nonstop stream, but I do see Martin Jose saying, hey, hello. Uh, if you have any questions, you can throw some questions into the comments and we'll try and get to them. Or obviously, Super Chat would be another way to go and get my attention right away. 
Um, but okay, good. Good to know that uh, Dejounte Murray was just asked about in the comments. So that we know is, we know that it's working. Let's throw that question out there since it's got my my eye, and and we can just take a quick U turn or a left turn off of uh, our conversation for a second. Uh, so Kratky wants to know about Dejounte Murray. That dude is crazy good this year. Um, I don't know. I went to the Spurs Clippers game, and the the Clippers. I mean, the Spurs did not look good at all. So um, I don't know. Have you have you been watching a lot of Spurs? Not their full games, but I'm paying attention. And you know, they got some interesting young players. And Pop is going to be out of there soon, so they're going kind of through a transition phase. Um, did I? Is this his farewell tour? Did I forget that? It sounds. Uh, it, it feels that. Yeah, it is. I'm pretty right. sure. I, I mean, yeah, he'll never, I guess, actually say that because he doesn't want to have a big fanfare as he goes as he does his last tour around the league, I guess. But, but yeah, I, I, it's got to be time, right? Well, that, you know, when they drafted Josh Primo, that told me everything. I remember doing a Spurs-centric podcast, and that just shows me that they're looking into the future when you draft a player so young. And that was such a surprise draft pick for a team like the Spurs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, yeah, I, I uh, the, this transition is certainly there and I don't know if everyone's buying in as it is. I was sitting right near the bench and kind of trying to get a handle on what they're doing. And um, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a typical Spurs team. And, you know, it's weird because there are guys I like that on that team. I really like Derek White. Uh, yeah, I really like um, Keldon, uh, Keldon Johnson for sure. Uh, and then yeah. uh, Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. I, Lonnie I like Walker, the, yeah. But like it's not consistent. I can't quite figure out why they're not sustaining what the little bits and pieces that I have seen, and then you know continue to build on that. Um, it's it's got to be frustrating. So um, you know, so there we go. So now, oh, then the question then becomes: Will Becky Hammond take over? I mean, I think so, right? It sounds like it would be her best shot at getting a head coaching job, and it sounds like people, uh, you know, it, it's going to be her turn sooner than later. So uh, they've been grooming her, right? Yeah, I mean, she's going to get the f first opportunity. I'm sure she's going to get the first interview. And it's it's interesting you said you saw their body language in person. That's the one thing that I think is so much easier to um, have an analysis on when you're about body language when you're in person. It's a lot easier than watching on the TV screen. Well, it's funny because I've had this discussion with a lot of like NBA scouts and who, you know, spend 300 days of the year on the road. It's got to be the most brutal job of all time. And I, I often, often say, like, I don't think that you need to actually be – in the, in those arenas to do what they do now always you know usually the the argument is then well I need to be able to see like the calls or hear the calls so I can tell the other team what the calls are but the, invariably they get a, a they get a seat in the arena that's not everywhere anywhere close to hearing that anymore they've like gotten smart they put them farther away so I almost feel like you can do almost all that scouting work uh, from you know a computer anywhere you are. Um, and then maybe some phone calls <laughs> and talking to the coaches yeah, about it. Yeah, I think the body language is the biggest thing. It's a lot easier to tell a person with the body language. But in terms of like basketball skill level, you're right. I think it's the same on a computer than in person. I don't think, you know, sometimes athleticism pops a little bit more when you're in person. Like I remember seeing Jeremy Grant in person. He's even more athletic in person than he is on the TV screen. And I think there are certain players like that. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I mean, yeah, I guess so, uh, athletically, although it, it seems to me like, especially if you're going to do any kind of scouting where you want to, you know, diagram the plays the other team's running, you can't do that live, like watching in an arena. You that's need true. to be, I need to be able to jump back 10 seconds on my Tivo and like, you know, write it down and stop for a second and look. Like, at least, I, at least that's what I would have to do. I would have no idea if I had to like draw up a play by hand with a notebook in live. I'm going to miss at least another possession while that's going going on so um it's just a weird thing they that, that the value that they put on like having people in, actually in the arenas um and part of it makes me just want to have everybody switch to being remote so that these um scouts could have like a more normal life i, I just really feel bad for a yeah. lot of these guys yeah advanced um, scouts is the worst you have to you have to scout every other team oh my god you're always on the road yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me at all. So, and anyhow, if I were head coach in the NBA, I would not make people do that. I would say just, you know, get on the, you know, league pass and, and break it down for me. Um, and anything I might need to know about in person, I can make a phone call. So, um, yep. and, then, and then, of course, that is different than trying to figure out if you want to draft a player. But again, that there, a lot of that, you know, um, you know, gumshoe investigation stuff uh, can happen, you know, without needing to be chasing the, the player all over the country, different games. Uh, but oh, yeah, wow. they'll, they'll go ask yeah. your kindergarten teacher about you. 
for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, by the way, I, it was funny. My dad had a birthday party in Chicago a few weeks ago, and he invited my second grade teacher. <laughs> so that was fun. She was there. <laughs> and, uh, and a bunch of my friends were there. So I'm like, hey, this is my second grade teacher. It was really funny to watch. So, yes. Were you into... Yeah. We're going to change the subject fast because I don't think the listeners want to hear about this all day. But were you into basketball in the second grade? Um, I, you know, I didn't. I don't think I was playing a ton in second grade. Um, I, I went to a very, very small school that had like maybe 20, 30 kids in a class. Oh, okay. The only sport we had was basketball. And so you were going to be into basketball no matter what. But like as far as playing, I don't think I got into it until like probably like third or fourth grade when I really started yeah. to play. And then and I lament that I never had any kind of, you know, structured AAU program to be part of back, you know, in the 80s. I didn't have that. So I had yeah. anything I learned, I kind of had to learn on my own. Uh, and then like through a random drill, you know, back then, which would not have focused on, you know, individual instruction. I'm assuming that, you know, it's much different for you when you were growing up. Yeah, well, I started playing around third grade. I mean, basketball camp was huge for me to learn the game. And obviously, we just learned the game playing in the playgrounds as well. It wasn't as monetized as it is now when it comes to youth. Like, obviously, I played in my leagues, but now, like, everything is, like, leagues and organ and organized for the youth. You know, it's just different now. For, for sure. When I was a kid, yeah. Well, let, let's show back to the NBA because I'm noticing some, um, some other uh, questions here that might be interesting. So, first of all, uh, pour one out for Bam Adebayo. Uh, that's just devastating news. If you haven't heard, yeah. he, uh, I, I think he broke his thumb. No. What did he do? Uh, is that do, did you hear what happened to him? Uh, no, or is it a knee? Jalen Suggs broke his thumb. Jalen Suggs broke his thumb. They're not going to have surgery on it though, so maybe he can be back. Uh, but I'm sorry, Bam. Bam is a knee, right? I think so. Okay, but I can't confirm. I have to fact check. Well, you know, if only we had some way to to, to check that while we're talking um, injury. <laughs> I think it's. A, I think I, I just saw. Uh, yeah. Oh no, Bam out of bio to have thumb surgery, so he also hurt his thumb. Okay, so both of them. Okay, that must have been what I was thinking of. So uh, he needs surgery. That's going to be rough because is it his shooting hand? Not that he shoots that much anyway from the outside, but um, that's rough. Uh, that's really going to hurt Miami, who's already kind of dealing with some stuff. So there's a question about maybe John Wall to Miami, but um, certainly it was funny because people were talking about John Wall going um, – Oh my goodness gracious! Somewhere else, but like his contract is so huge, it's I can't picture him. Clippers, maybe. Oh, I, that, how would that work? Why? Well, That's I, I, I think Reggie Jackson's doing nicely. I don't think they need to, you know, replace him, or or I suppose yeah, they could have John Wall off the bench. I mean, John Wall is more more like a pure point guard than Reggie, but I like Reggie's game a lot. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think Reggie's doing pretty well. Though it's funny because I went to another game where, uh, and maybe it was the Clippers, or it was maybe maybe it was the Heat, where he didn't do anything for like three quarters, and then you could see it all of a sudden. He's just like, "Eff it, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go off." Yeah, he and told he, me about and he went that, off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at any rate, uh, so I, I mean, I, I just think that John Wall's contract's gonna be a little scary. I, I never liked his game anyway. Really? Uh, I really like this game. I, I really like his game, Coach Nick. Really? Well, there was a moment like when they got to the playoffs, and I was like, okay, and he was maybe he was hitting some threes, and he was making some better decisions. And I thought, okay, there was something building here. Um, and then that kind of just soured very quickly in Washington uh, after that. I don't even remember what year that was. Was that like 2016 maybe, him and something Beal? Something like that, yeah. And so um, that uh, – and were, Martin is telling us the band was out for six weeks. Okay. Uh, it's not terrible. And if you're going to get a, a thumb injury, you might as well get it like, you know, now, now. I guess in early yeah. November uh, or sorry, early uh, end of November. But, um, uh, let's see here. Um, uh, so, so I don't know. I, I don't know if John Wall really has a home. What do you like about his game? Tell me. Well, I think he has at, at his peak, he had elite athleticism, elite IQ, and he just played that real point guard role that a lot of players don't play in the league anymore. So I really like how he sets the table. Obviously, he wasn't the greatest shooter, but he could knock that down. He wasn't like a Ben Simmons or something like that, you know. So I just felt like the combination of him just being a point guard, elite athleticism, elite IQ, a really smart player. I just like the way he plays basketball. All right, all right. I mean, you know, I, would you I, agree I, with that? Or would you um, I mean, I never. I don't know about the IQ. I don't know about decision making. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know. It's and by the way, it's been a little while since I've seen John Wall playing yeah. any meaningful games to like even remember. But like, I, I know that the shooting thing was an issue for me mostly 
because you could you could do like the Rajon Rondo defense on him. Um, but you're right. I mean, he's an elite athlete, and that speed he has coming down the court. You know, generally in any any one season, you're going to have maybe like five of those guys in the league who you, you're yeah. not stopping in the open court with one guy. And he was certainly that guy for a little bit of that run, or for you know, or for several years. So yeah, you don't you don't see pure point guards with that type of athleticism often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't see anybody <laughs> with that kind of yeah, athletic ability. Yeah. And it was yeah, funny. I remember true. I interviewed him about it too because I was like, "Well, did you do any kind of special training or anything like that, like being track?" And he's like, "No, I just go out and I like. I don't think he has any sense of like running mechanics or whatever. He just has he has whatever that is. But I gotta tell you, like when he does, he shoots out of the cannon. It's it, it's almost like uh, it's almost violent watching it. it makes you know we have to recoil uh, because it's so yeah. fast and it's it's like that. You know, the, is it X one? Is that the button you hit for, uh, for speed?" <laughs> I think so, but when he actually toned it down a little bit, that's when he really got better. Actually, you know, uh, he had to tone yeah, down a little bit, yeah, yeah. But now yeah. I think he's not—he's just not the same athlete right now, and I don't know if he'll ever get back to it. But I hope he does. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that he got stuck in a situation where they're gonna sort of just like bury him and not play him. Uh, they told him that he understood that he agreed, but, right? At one yeah. point, but yeah. I, I obviously after enough games and whatever, you're going to get itchy to get to do something. So, um, so yeah. we'll see. I, I just don't well, know. Well, now they want him to come off the bench, and he doesn't want to come off the bench, but they're willing to do that. So that's the disagreement right. now, from what I'm hearing. Well, that's another interesting issue then, because if he's not willing to come off the bench in uh, in Houston, then would he come off the bench anywhere else he goes? Uh, and, and maybe he would say, well, I'll go off the bench if it's a good team, but I don't know. Um, it's... Um it's it's a it, I don't I don't, again I don't know what what he might bring to the table for a good team um, unless there was a, a severe injury that someone needed to cover for now Bam is not necessarily that injury because he's a big guy and you know Wall doesn't replace that but uh, yeah and they have Kyle they're fine at that position yeah and I'm sure he doesn't want to go to Orlando <laughs> now that Suggs is out so um, yeah, yeah. I, I really I feel that he's probably going to end up being stuck in limbo. Which is crazy because then, you, you know, him and Simmons could go work out together, I guess. Well, Kentucky's own DeMarcus Cousins, he got a deal with Milwaukee. That's pretty cool. He uh, he did, he did. When's the last time he played in the game? Did you, do we know that? Because, again, if only we could look think. this up. I'll tell you, um, <laughs> let's see, the game logs. Uh, actually, he played last year. He did play last year um, uh, with the Clippers. That's right. That's right. Yeah, a little bit. So I kind of forgot about that, but yeah, he didn't, he, get, so, he didn't get amazing amounts of playing time, but he played here and there. Yeah, you know, even in the playoffs, he got like you know four minutes here, eleven minutes there, a yeah. little bit, um, yeah. but not, but maybe half the games. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I always write off uh, Cousins, and he always ends up doing something that like is oh, he could he could still help. Uh, and certainly the the Bucks he has a really good feel them. for basketball. He has a really good feel for basketball. He does. He absolutely yeah. does. And he's always been that way. And um, I mean, I can remember him as a rookie coming in and just being blown away watching him in summer league. Just like high post passing was. Uh, and, and remember right. back then with the Kings, they were running the Princeton high post still. So right, we didn't know amazing. who was better, him or him or AD. Remember that? Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody else just reminded me of a take I had about AD and somebody else coming out of Kentucky. Oh, Nerland's Noel. I might have said Nerland's Noel coming out of Kentucky could be better than AD. And that would have been, you know, a while ago. And, um, and, and I, gosh, that was wrong. But then again, I, there was something about Nerland's Noel before he got, you know, th- that terrible knee injury that, like, I, you know, he had something different motor wise and movement quality wise that I really liked that I, that I, I, that I see as an issue with, with Davis. Davis is still a little bit top heavy or, you know, um, high center of gravity and, you know, it doesn't have well, like now, that quick AD twitch. Is not move, AD is just not moving the same as his former self right now. And okay. He gained some weight. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm telling you, New Orleans Noel, there, there was some evidence coming out of Kentucky that he could have a nice little jump shot. He could put the ball on the ground a little bit. Like there was stuff like that. And I, and I figured if he, with his movement quality, which is quicker and more explosive than AD, uh, would have that would have translated even better. But um, but uh, you know, once he, I think once he went down with the knee injuries, like maybe like the development just stopped as well, and they just trying to get him healthy. So anyway, maybe. but uh, to get back to uh, Demarcus, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Like right now, the Bucks are thirteen and eight, so actually they're playing a lot better. They they've won seven in a row because obviously before that they had a losing record six and eight. So I think it's time to take a visit with the uh, with the Bucks and uh, to do a video on them. I've been trying to get a video done on the Wizards. Um, that, that would be a great video. 
Uh, well, yeah. you know, I, I told you this last week or two weeks ago. I, man, I was going to do it before the season started, and then like for some reason I didn't, and then uh, they had a great start. Yeah, now they're kind of you know struggling with the success a little bit, but um, and, anyway, and um, I yeah. think going back real quick to the Milwaukee Bucks, I think a big reason they signed Demarcus was because Lopez is injured right now, and they right. want to see how he comes back. They definitely need a backup big, so I guess uh, uh, Demarcus fills that role. Uh, he does. Um, yeah, I mean, I, who would have thought that like you know Lopez is this sort of linchpin kind of guy? Certainly not in the last seven games that they don't not needing to have him there. They're winning anyway. Um, yeah, I, I would have expected Giannis to just sort of be go on a dominant run. Like, hey, I got to carry this team and we get him the wins, and he wasn't doing that. Um, but again, I haven't checked in. I got to check in with them and see like what this what this is about because obviously, um, actually, I'm kind of curious right now in this seven game win streak. I'll tell you right now, they've beat. Um, they beat the Lakers. They beat OKC. They beat the Magic twice in a row. They beat the Pistons. They beat the Nuggets, uh, and then the Pacers. So, okay, that's that, that's an NBA gentleman seven game uh, winning streak, if you will. When you throw in, uh, you know, Thunder and the Magic and the Pistons in there, uh, you know, that's the thing about the NBA is it, it only takes a few games before you can find a, a game that will help your team get out of its uh, losing ways. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm yep. sorry, Pistons fans, if I'm throwing <laughs> fire on you guys. Um, but uh, what was it? Someone was just telling me about uh, Dwayne Casey, what he was saying about offense. And I was just like, it just sounded like such a dinosaur thing. Um, I'll think about it. My mind is mush these days. What is time? We're stuck, you know, hiding from COVID and whatnot. My mind is a... Uh, is, is, uh, sometimes it works. You know what's weird sometimes, uh, Combo? Like, there are what's times weird? I can't remember... Like what I was talking about an hour, an hour ago about Dwayne Casey, but I can tell you like what Ben Poquette's number was in on his jersey for the Cleveland Cavaliers in like 1985. Like I don't Why understand. Is that, you think? What's that? Why is that you think? Uh, you know, we th- this could be a whole pod about how the brain functions and what how it stores things. I don't know, and maybe that would actually you know once we discover that we can become much better coaches because we'll say. Will say things the right way that will stick in people's minds. Like, does this ever does this ever happen to you? Like, I can remember um, a very specific lesson from science class in seventh grade, and I don't remember anything else from the seventh grade at all. But I can remember one specific thing that she taught us about dividing, uh, trying to divide a number to get to zero, and we kept doing it, kept doing it. We thought we were getting closer and closer, but the you know, spoiler alert: you can never get to zero. You know, you always get closer and closer, but you can never get to zero. And that realization has stuck with me to this day. So figure out. I feel like sometimes when like you've done in a specific paper or you really like dug in on a topic, those are the things you remember, you know, like that you put some work into maybe. Yeah. 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 Something. Uh, All right. Well, let's get back to the NBA because this is what the show is about, supposedly. (laughs) Um, And yes, uh, I was very wrong. I'm I'm, I'm assuming that straightway is commenting about my uh, New Orleans Noel take on, uh, on versus uh, AD. Um, but uh, and but getting back to the point, like Giannis, I- I'm concerned that Giannis didn't do what uh, even in the, the first 14 games, like just didn't seem to be able to take over to the point where he could will his team to victory, um, and that's what you you would like to see out of a player like that. And so uh, that said, they're coming off of a title, perhaps they're just trying to pace themselves and not go too crazy. But they don't want to fall too low into the standings where they're going to have to really battle their way back out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the sample size of this season. Like, let's say you never watched NBA basketball before and you only watched it this year. I think the three best players would be Jokic, Durant, and Steph Curry, right? I mean, I don't know if Giannis would be in that just for this season, even though he's playing well. Um, yeah. Well, let me look at his numbers here because that's not the, the – oh, that's not uh, – oh, my God, I lost the team. And some might think DeMar DeRozan's in there from the way he's been playing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> the only thing that you would have to say is, like, because he doesn't stretch the floor enough, although he's doing it a little bit um, – I mean, the dude is, is just lights out, but so is KD. I mean, his numbers are unreal yeah. as well. Um, but listen, Steph is also, I mean, leading this team to, uh, up until last night, a, you know, the number one seed in the West and really just looking like a number one team that would be destined to at least make the Western Conference Finals. So I would have to give it to Steph at this point. Um, now, 
That said, how much do we take from one game last night against a really good defense that was very well prepared? Uh, if you watch the video or if you haven't seen it yet, you'll see that the, the preparation that the Suns put in really was focused on basically ignoring Draymond and getting in the way of everybody else. And it really does uh, cause problems. Now, obviously, for the first 16 or 18 games of the season, they really that wasn't an issue much. But um, they hadn't really played a team that really had schemed for this clearly before they played them. So um, what do you think about that? Is that, is that ultimately going to be their, their biggest Achilles heels? Yeah. Achilles heel? yeah, it wasn't only Draymond, too. They were all ignoring Gary Payton, too, as well. But Do, do you know what Gary Payton shoots from three? No, I don't. 36%. So what, where is this whole narrative? Like he cannot shoot, doesn't shoot. Do you know how many it takes a game? How many? 1.3. But how many, do you know how many minutes he plays? How many? Like 11. Let me check this because I was looking at it earlier. Well, they were ignoring him last night. Yeah. And he missed one or he missed them. But yeah. the point being that like, and I, I guess was that you a know, smart you know some play You know some players shoot worse when they're ignored though? Yeah. No, like it's true. when they true. have all that time? Yeah, yeah. Well, J.R. Smith, I think, was the uh, the poster child for that one. But, uh, yeah, he plays 14 minutes a game, and he's taking 1.3 attempts, which is, you know, not nothing because he's not playing a lot of minutes. So I would argue he should take a few more um, because even if it goes down to, like, 33%, that's still enough to be like, okay, we can't just completely ignore the guy and, uh, and just hang out around Steph, I would imagine, watching him shoot. Maybe he'll just get better by osmosis. Yeah, do you think that the Suns locked him down or that just Steph had an off night or a combination yeah. of both? Um, and hey, Adam, I'm good. How are you? Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of keeping myself my uh, apprised of the uh, comments. Um, wait, the question was, was it Steph imploding or was it the Suns shutting him down? Exactly, or a combination of both. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Once they double him off of any kind of pick and roll, he's going to give the ball up. And, you know, it's not always easy for him to get the ball back, even though they have automatics for that kind of thing where he might drive, kick, and then replace. Um, so there were plenty of, uh, of moments where uh, they were switching a lot, being really physical uh, and forcing the ball out of his hands. So that's definitely all for, you know, on the Suns. Uh, but there are other times when he was just going too fast. Like he missed a three on a beautiful behind the back move, but he kind of got going a little too fast, nose too far in front of the toes, lost his balance for a second. They had to rush the shot over Aiton, who had a nice contest though. And so that, that didn't go in. I think he airballed another one uh, as well. Um, so I think he was just kind of going too fast. But then this weird thing that's been plaguing the, the uh, Warriors ever since Steve Kerr got there uh, are the turnovers. The turnovers, it's almost like it becomes a, um, a sickness and everyone gets you know, infected by it. And uh, they start throwing the ball away. I mean, I, listen, it was a close game all the way to the end. You can argue that if Juan Toscano Anderson doesn't throw the ball away six times in five minutes or whatever he did, maybe the Warriors win anyway. Yeah. You know, as I said before, I just think, like, if Steph shoots even at a decent level for him, I mean, they win that game. So that's really what it comes down to. It'll just be interesting to see if the Suns could hold up to something like this for more than one game in a seven-game series. Yes. But by the way, I cannot wait for this to be the Western Conference Finals matchup. That would be an amazing series because you'd have a lot of adjustments back and forth. And obviously, uh, Coach Kerr is going to have to deal with the Draymond thing and keep him from sort of being stationary in the dunker spot or by the post and not getting the ball. Because if they don't give him the ball and he's part of, you know, uh, where his passing can come into play, then they just ignore him and, and it's hard for everybody else to get anything going. Uh the other thing is that if Clay comes back and he is whatever percent and they get um, – uh, I, I think Wiseman ends up being a really big key to this because he's the kind of guy that can kind of move a little bit with Aiton and has – you know I, I don't think that uh, Looney handles Aiton's you know, strength and quickness is, uh, very well. And so um, I, I feel like that might be something they can get 10, 12 minutes of Wiseman uh, to, to make um, Aiton work a little bit harder. Uh, that also could be a very big difference. So it's almost hard to know. But here's the thing. We, you know, in two days from now, we get a rematch. And uh, these guys, I don't think, are going to take it. They're not going to bench anybody. Like, I, I kind of feel like in the past we've seen these big games coming up and then invariably one of the best players just ends up sitting for rest. Does that feel that way to you? Yeah, I I think that I think there's some truth to that. And it'll be interesting. Like, let's say the Warriors lose a bad again. Do you think they try and make a trade at some point during the season? Maybe trade some of their young talent in for a veteran big who could kind of like replace some of Looney's minutes? 
Um, I don't know because, you know, chemistry is a very, you know, fickle thing. And I don't know if they want to want to disrupt a lot of that by, you know, bringing somebody completely new. It, it would be interesting. I, I don't I don't know uh, how that might work. So Ma um, max maximize the Splash Brothers timeline. With yeah. Them on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because well, they are like, honestly, they are going in two different directions. Like they're developing these young players and they got guys who they want to win now with. Yeah, but by the way, how good was Jordan Poole last night? I mean, he was awesome, uh, and I and I don't envy that decision that, that Steve Kerr is going to have to make when Clay comes back because, I mean, yeah. obviously the decision is Poole has to go to the bench because they're not going to bench Wiggins, I suppose, and so um, that's just going to be rough. You can't, you can't bench Wiggins because of defense. Right. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's just the guy. Like, obviously, Poole would accept that role better, so they're going to you know, have him do it. Um, I suppose Poole can still get almost the same amount of minutes coming off the bench anyway, so I just, I, maybe that doesn't really affect him that much. But, um, you know, he was he was just uh, awesome last night and, and kind of kept them in the game, uh, uh, waiting for Steph to kind of get right and figure some things out. So um, it's funny because we're kind of talking about – I almost feel like we're talking about the Warriors as if they're like on the precipice of just, you know, giving up on the season and just tanking or something. Right, but, right. I guess that was my comment about a trade in the future. If they, <laughs> I, I would hate I see to see it saying. because you want to be able to extend after after Steph's career. And, and I believe Wiseman can be an all-star, so it would be great to have him, you know, and continue that whole process uh, going and forward. And Kaminga, too. He's yeah, Kaminga. As well. I mean, he, I, I watched him in Summer League, man. He was impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then what also hurt the, the Warriors is having um, Damian Lee out because of the birth of his son. And so they had to play Chioza more, who, you know, didn't really do that well. And I think Lee has a little bit more experience. But the, the other, the next level of that, which I said right off the bat in the video, was that the Warriors had a lot of players who had never really played in a playoff atmosphere regular season game like that before. So you see guys like Bielitsa, who looked just out of it. Uh, JTA was another guy who was throwing the ball away like crazy. Uh, Chioza looked a little bit like, you know, deer in the headlights. Uh, I'm forgetting. Obviously, he didn't want to, maybe it's why he didn't want to put uh, Kaminga in there. And um, even a guy like Damian Lee, who's got experience in over a number of years, I don't know if he, he since he's gotten there, they haven't been good like this. So... That's a whole yeah. other you know notch they got to put under the belt. Maybe last night was what they needed, and now we'll see. Fr <laughs> Friday they'll actually you know they'll play better. Yeah, there's actually a lot of pieces on this team with no playoff experience, so we got to see how this goes in the playoffs. Like the playoffs are a lot different than the regular season. For sure, for sure. We have a question. We can pivot to um, the Cavs because we can talk about that a little bit. I've been doing a deep dive into them uh, because how big is the question from Starscream is how big is the, the, the BAM injury for Miami because they're getting destroyed by the Cavs right now. Uh, as we're recording this, the score is – let's go to the scores. Um, let's see here. Where are we? Uh, in the fourth quarter – wait, where did it go? Uh, in the third end of the third quarter, the Cavaliers are up um, eight, uh, 81 to 63. Um, so that's not good, Bob. What do you think? Uh, what, do, what do we think about that? I mean, how, how devastating is that going to be for the Heat's fortunes? Do we do we get that far last time? I don't think we talked about that. No, expound on that. Well, I mean, obviously, Bam makes their whole offense go. They run so much of their offense through the high post through him. Yeah, and without he's kind of like their he's kind of like their Jokic. In a way, right? In a way, in a way. And then plus, defensively, he's everywhere. Um, you know, and they, and they have a good defense outside of that. They have other good defensive players, but he's a good linchpin. And as a result, they have to, they have to start Deadman, who we've seen, you know, fits and starts from Deadman of, of like, whoa, this is something good, but he's not been able to stick with a team, which tells you something. Uh, and so far, he actually is, you know, 4 for 11 from the field for 9 points and 10 rebounds, which is helpful for them. But um, I don't I don't feel great about uh, the Heat. They were not very deep to begin with at all, and uh, this will not help them. And if they have any hopes to remain competitive, they're the ones who are going to probably have to try and figure – like they would have probably would have preferred to have signed Boogie somehow if they knew that he was available and this whole thing happened. Yeah, they've been interesting, this team. I mean – Duncan has struggled since he signed that contract extension. Obviously, Tyler Hero is playing better, but I think Kyle is doing such a great job of pushing pace, and that really changed everything for them on offense. Yeah, I, you know what? Every time you want to write off Kyle Lowry, and then there he is doing the same thing he's been doing for years and years and years. It's really impressive to me. Uh, I mean, I'm his. I'm the same height as he is, and I have no idea how he gets a shot off ever. You know, and, and he's like, because I don't know that they probably list him at six feet. He's like, he's six feet at most. And is he um, really that short? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to him uh, several times, and uh, I, I look him, I look right at him, and look him right at the eye, and, um, and and that's my question to him. It's like, how do you even like see the basket when they're closing out like that on those shots? Because he'll go to the hoop too and shoot from inside the lane. I think that's crazy to me. It's one thing, okay, hop into a three coming around up screen, whatever. Maybe you know that's that's open, but um, I don't know. But we have a he's super so, chat. He's, so, he's such a destructive player. Yes, we have a super chat from Buzzer Beater. Thank you so much. Uh, that just popped up in my in my feed, and this is another good question because I'm going to try and do a video ASAP. I'm I'm, I'm already afraid that the Kemba benching storyline is going to is already over with, and no one cares. But it's it, I can't remember. Can you the last time like a starting player who was signed to a big contract comes into a new team and then doesn't make it 20 games without the coach literally having to say you are benched like not playing at all is can you remember uh, a situation like this No but you know it's interesting with him and Blake and obviously from the beginning of the season I saw Blake was really struggling shooting the basketball I know they're two totally different situations but I think in any other era these two guys are still playing and they're not totally out of the rotation I don't know if it's analytics I don't know if it's how we look at the game these days but I think they would get more of a chance in any other era. That's interesting. I mean, well, I mean, other eras were also defensive-oriented in a way, but uh, we the other eras didn't have the kind of analytics. Like, the numbers are just, they don't lie. The Knicks are terrible with Kemba on and much better with him off. And it all it's all related to defense. Now, obviously, there's four other guys with him. So I'm going to take a deep dive to see if that really was merited. Like, is it all his fault? Like, I guess what I'm going to probably do is, you know, grab 100 buckets that were made while he was out there and grade them and see how many that were a result of uh, Kemba doing something wrong. And um, if it's more than... I don't know, 20% of them, then, then we, have a, we have something there. But what if it's less? What if it turns out that Kemba, you know, he's just doing his job and, um, and, and it's not playing bad defense. It's just sort of dumb luck. I, that, would be, that would be pretty frustrating. I too. Mean, yeah, I mean, Kemba has never been known for his defense, but I never thought – so, like, that might not be a great match with Coach Tibbs, who's all about defense. Yeah. But I never really – honestly, I never imagined this happening. Like, I thought he would play great in New York. I thought the New York energy would help him. I thought he would help the New York energy. Um, this is really surprising. Do you think there's a chance it could go back to him playing? Or, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, this happens so often to, like, especially, like, younger players in the league who think that, like, they're Yeah, but, the, you know, the, as we just said, we've never seen anything like this before. Okay. That is true. That for, for someone in his position, um, yeah. you know, but I mean, I, I've had that conversation with NBA players. Like, I'm like, you know, it looks like they're going to be out of the league. I'm like, don't, don't get your head down. Something crazy is going to happen and you'll see. And the next thing you know, they're starting, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, of course. So, of so course. you can never say never. And I doubt it's going to be uh, permanent. I, I, I know that he's going to get another chance. Um, you know, he Kemba is probably it's just too good not to like get a chance, and certainly like to run the second team or something. So, um, yeah. I, I you know, I, unless he did something really really bad, uh, but Kemba, as far as I've always heard, has been a great teammate and and uh, and very respectful but, of the coaching. So, right, right, he's known to be a fantastic human being, and I'm from New York, so obviously, like I know people who know him. So everybody talks about how great of a person he is. But do you feel like that could work against him? Like. We could tell Kemba that he's not going to play and he's not going to be disruptive. You mean, is the implication that he needs to be disruptive to get back in the lineup? <laughs> well, no, it's not the implication, but it's kind of easier to bench a guy that's not going to cause problems if you bench him. Oh, that's, that, now that's interesting. I mean, that sucks if that's the case. It's like bench him if you got to bench him and don't bench him if you don't need to bench him. And don't do it just because it seems easy. Um, but again, I, I would have thought it would be a demotion. Like you, can't, like you could team. never do this. You, you couldn't do this with Russ, right? Not saying Russ is a bad guy, but you could never right. take him out of the rotation and no. be okay with it. Never. No, that's what I'm saying. And, and yet, <laughs> that's not the worst suggestion. I mean, listen, he's been playing. There, there's there are moments in every game where Russ is like Russ, right? But then there are moments where he's also like Russ, um, and that's going to be the real question here. Because uh, I'm looking at Kemba, like to me, it would have been like he would have gone to the second unit, and they would have played him instead of 30 minutes a game. They played him, you know, 20. But he, you know, and, and they were already kind of doing that. If you look at the game log up until that point, he was going, you know, 26 and 30. And then all of a sudden it went down to 20, 20, 17. So he was already getting pared down in his, um, he's still starting, but getting pared down in the minutes. So to go from starting to like just nothing 
is is really extreme in my mind. I would have thought at least they give him a run as like you know 18 minutes off the game, off, you know, as a, as a third or fourth guard. Um, but I, I cannot wait. I'm going to dive into that as soon as I finish this Cleveland Cavaliers video, which I thought we could talk about for a minute. Because um, so I got on Twitter yesterday, and I didn't. I had no idea that there were so many uh, Evan Mobley stands out there. I mean, it was vicious blood. In the Guy water. is pretty good, Coach Nick. Okay. You know what? Here's my problem. So he is really good. I saw, you know, plenty of good energy on defense and some and, and lots of possessions where he was, you know, making, you know, blocks and getting rebounds and, and, and contesting. You know, but I also saw a lot of plays where he was getting scored on and he's he's not strong enough when guys are getting in their body and then pushing him off and then just going right over him. So I guess my problem was is I had my like my normal NBA player hat on when I was watching this and not, I guess I forgot to look at this as a rookie who's, you know, 20, even though I know I looked at that and said, well, how many years did he play? He only played one year in college, I think, right? Yep. And so, um, so I, I guess in, with that in mind, I was too harsh. And um, hopefully I'll live it down because there are some What did you awful, say, Coach Nick? What I, just said, I just said, I just said, it looks to me that people want to consider him for Rookie of the Year or think he is the Rookie of the Year. Well, he's been injured, so that's going to be hard, right? For him Mobley, to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, he is, but he's, he already, he, he, came, he came back, uh, you know, the game before and he had, you know, he's only out for yeah. like four games. What but, I'm saying um, is at this, at this point, there's just a rookies that have played more than him. So it's going to oh. be tough. But. Well, my take on it was it, it felt like it was one of those things where they're looking at the box scores and like, oh, look, he's doing nicely, then he's going to be the Rookie of the Year. And, and and everyone was yelling at me saying, well, it's not even the box score for the reason why we like him and think he's going to be that way. But in, in relation to rookies, you know, 14 and, and 8 or whatever he's averaging, that's really good for a rookie. Well, uh, he's, you know, and he's getting a lot more opportunities than any other place because he was in a really good situation where there's no pressure to win. They're just, you know, and, and here's the thing. The reason why I wanted the video to begin with was that they're starting three seven-footers. Then that's more interesting to me than anything else. But the bottom yeah. line was I, I have plenty of evidence of him, like, you know, doing really nicely. And I have plenty of, plenty of evidence where he needs to get a lot better with his footwork. And uh, both, well, so both these things can be true. And I just was probably a little bit too harsh in sort of just dismissing people who want to, you know, say he's, you know, he should be in the, in the, the rookie of the year. I mean, of course, he's, he should be the top five rookie of the year. I mean, that, that seems reasonable enough. Um, and, and, and the other question then is, is who else is in front of him? And that's the next thing. I haven't done a deep dive well, like this for the other guys. And so I need to do well, that next. I mean, I was a lot, I was a lot higher on Scotty Barnes and consensus, and I was about with consensus with Evan Mobley. But when it comes to – so I think Scotty Barnes is yeah. a great candidate for Rookie of the Year. Um, with Evan Mobley, though, I don't even think the stats tell the whole story of who he is. I think that's probably why people were upset with you. Um, you know, just his fluidity on defense, the way he can slide his feet, change his shots. And he's just one of those players that I think other stars are going to want to play with. Like, he doesn't get in others' way. He's a lob threat. He's going to have an improved jump shot. And he's just such a fluid athlete. It looks like it's so fun to play with and could fit with other bigs. Like, as we've seen, you know, he's playing with two other seven-footers. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and, and I, I apologize. And I deleted the tweet and I, and I tried to, uh, <laughs> I tried Coach to, Nick, you know. You shouldn't have deleted the tweet. You didn't have to delete the tweet. Oh, well, listen, you know, it, it, it will, believe me, it was worth it because, uh, you know, I had, I mean, I had friends of mine on Twitter, like, screaming at me. And I, I and I was like, no one said he was bad. No one said he wasn't good at all. All I what was, was the tweet? Was, what was the tweet? The tweet was was basically what I said it was. I, I it feels to me that people who want to you know anoint him as rookie of the year are only looking at the box score production. Um, and, and and but meaning like he maybe he's not as good as everyone is thinking he is because well, you know what I'm seeing is there's a lot of work to be done. But you know what, every rookie has a lot of work to be done. So that was well, my only problem was I needed to make I, I just I didn't factor that in and for some weird reason in a moment of weakness. <laughs> How are you consuming the Evan Mobley content? Were you watching mostly highlights? Oh, or are you watching well, you know, so I'm because by the way, someone was like, "Oh, you're just going on synergy and watching like the defensive clips." Which, so offensively, I certainly did that with, with, with synergy. That's a great way of looking at the offensive game. And I watched probably like you know 150 clips of him on offense. I think that's pretty good. I think synergy has been you know for 200 and something total. So. Watching, you know, over sixty percent of his clips is it gives you know it gives you a pretty good sense of what the guy is on offense. Uh, defensively, I did both. I did watch a bunch of, of of the clips that they attributed to him, but then I also started studying um, when all three of them were out there together, uh, Jared Allen, him, and Lowry Markinen, because I wanted to see how the seven footer thing was going uh, and why that was working so well. So I, I kind of did a lot of both and saw a whole bunch of um, you know of footage that way too. So. 
you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I feel like I'm pretty good about knowing how to watch this film and know what, what these players can do and they can't do. Um, maybe, you know, and listen, blocks are really uh, important and they're also very much like they, like we also talked about cha- before. Also changing shots, Coach Nick, not only the blocks. Okay, okay, right, because then someone's like, well, he's contesting the third most shots in the league and I'm like, okay, 264. So that, crazy that's radius, happen. Coach Nick. He has a crazy radius. He does, he does. And he's sort of like, he doesn't have a low center of gravity so he's not exactly explosive that way but it was so long. I see, I saw clips where he like made up for the the times he was getting beat because he can just take half a step and still be right there to contest. And I, I wasn't even so sure if like this the stat was right about contesting shots because it's like can is he really contesting fifteen a game? That seems like a lot considering that you know there's other players on the floor too. But I went through the Orlando game and I counted I think eight. Uh, contests in the first half alone, which, you know, uh, granted that that kind of would tell you, okay, he probably had at least eight in the second half, and there's your 15, 16 a game. So I suppose it's what he's doing. Um, so, so yeah, he is he is good. I, I, for, I Again, uh, for some reason, I, I had my judgmental hat on for a guy who, you know, should like, I guess I was thinking he should be older maybe, and maybe more he's experienced that, than maybe he is. Maybe he's that good that you're holding him to a higher standard. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes guys get a lot of hype for, for the wrong reasons. And that, I guess I was tuning into that to some degree. But listen, I don't think anyone, Evan Mobley is going to tell you that he has a lot of work to do. He's not going to, he's not, you know, I don't think he thinks that he's, you know, ready to be an all-star yet. I mean, that's not, you know, that, that I don't think he has any well, delusions. Well, there. I think another thing that people like about Evan Mobley is that it's hard for a rookie to be a plus defender in the NBA, and he's already a plus defender and even more in some people's opinions. So yeah, I mean, people I think that's say really it's, encouraging. And him yeah. and Scotty Barnes are like that, and Davion Mitchell's another plus defender. So some yeah. of these rookies are really impressive as defenders, which we really haven't seen before. Even Cade is a plus defender. Yeah, so there's a lot and, of good defenders in this draft. And Cade is the guy who was the highest on, and he's starting to come around a little bit better. Uh, and he, I, I, and a lot better, Coach Nick. A lot better. A lot better. And I just yeah. feel like, uh, you know, he's, he's he's playing for a caveman, and um, and that's um, that doesn't help him either. I feel like there's, you know, if K was playing on OKC or he was playing on uh, the Rockets, like, I think he'd already be uh, better. Uh, but he's stuck in a weird situation where they got some, you know, some guys who are vets and some guys, you know, and, and they can't quite figure out what they want to do with the season. But we have a couple more Super Chats. Let's take care of those because those are always the most important for everybody. Buzzer Beater, thank you, thank you. This is going to be a tough question, and um, I'm going to have to kind of root back into the deep recesses of my brain to remember. He asks, can you guys compare Hubie Brown's 80s Knicks shock troops to the current Knicks second unit? Now, growing up in Chicago as a Bulls fan, I mean, I certainly was aware of uh, of the Knicks and what they were doing. Now, the the Knicks and Bulls rivalry rivalry was you know in the late part of the '80s after Hubie Brown was gone. So, do you remember what what which players were the shock troops on the on the Hubie Brown's Knicks? Well, did they have a Bill Cartwright? Yeah, but like he wasn't part of the. Oh, they want to compare that to the second unit. I mean, it was probably like Pat Cummings and uh, Bill Cartwright and um, uh, Ernie Grunfeld, or no? And, Ber- and uh, Ernie was probably out there and um, Ber- Bern- uh, Bernard King. Bernard King. Yeah, if that's Bernard King, and then they had a guard, uh, Rory Sparrow. So, but, I think. But are is they talking? Are they? Is he talking about? That team's second unit or that? No, team's I guess general? he wants to, he wants to compare the Hubie Brown's teams to the Knicks' current second unit. Because okay. um, you know they come in and out, and that's another thing I kind of want to take a look at too. They they come out, you know, five at a five at a time, pretty much, right? He's almost subbing uh, whole units together. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Tibbs is like. I mean, I, obviously, there's some guys that love playing for him, but he doesn't seem like the easiest guy to play for, right? No, like, he not does at all. A lot of it, yeah, he does like a lot of interesting stuff. I know, obviously, D Rose loves playing for him and Taj Gibson, but I mean, he, he um, seems like a tough guy to play for. Yeah, and it, it might wear on you, you know, the constant, you know, bellowing or whatever. I mean, it's funny because Chris Paul, it could arguably be the same way. He might wear on his teammates too because he demands, you know, such attention to detail in every play. Like, you know, I, they caught him on the TV. I, I saw, uh, you know, I think it was um, Bridges. It might have been a mistake, turned the ball over, and he was just, just jawing at him, you know. The game was going fine. Everything was well. They were executing, and, you know, he was still just like all over him, and that's what the Chris Paul standard is, and Tom Thibodeau's the same way. Um, 
And, you know, but you have coming off the bench. I mean, I'm just going to look at the Knicks right now. So it's Noel, Burks, Rose, Gibson, and Quickly. I mean, I've, I've, I love Quickly. Wish he'd get more minutes um, and and continue. I mean, he's not doing awesome. But uh, I, I just for some reason, when I see a, a young guy come in who's, who's unintimidated by the NBA it, itself, I, I always gravitate towards guys like that. Um, but but they're highly effective. And by the way, that also could be the thing with maybe Kemba not working well. Like when you get subbed out, like the way the rotations are, that could hurt your game, um, and Definitely. that could be a part of it. Especially when you're an older player. Like I mean, Kemba's not super old, but he's coming off injuries. He's old. Be- he's an old thirty-one. What is he? Oh yeah, thirty-one. Um, we have another another uh, super chat. So this is from BB Coach JW33. Uh, all friends of the breakdown. Thank you guys for being part of this. Could the Warriors' weakness down low come back to haunt them in the playoffs against teams like the Suns? Well, without question, you know, uh, Aiton killed them in the second half. I think he had 15 points. And um, they were trying to play zone a little bit. They had to go away from zone because he was sealing off so well. In the lane for five, six seconds at a time, by the way. They were awful at calling three seconds against him. Um, Maybe at least three times uh, I saw that for scores alone that he got or a foul on two scores. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, listen, Looney is terrific and he's, ter- he's been terrific in a lot of these games so far. Um, that might be enough, um, especially if they can reload with, uh, with, uh, 80% clay and Wiseman giving them something. I think that they'd be, that's not going to, that's not their, um, their, it's not going to end their season. I don't think. What do you think? Well, uh, things do get like, you need good bigs to play in the NBA, even though the NBA has gone away from the big men. Like, I remember in the bubble, like, what Bam did to the Celtics was just disrespectful. Like, <laughs> he made it look like he was playing against high school kids. So, I mean, imagine if the Heat were to make it to the finals or even Giannis make it to the finals and the Warriors make it there. Like, those guys will have a field day against that team. Like, if DeAndre Ayton could be problems for them, how about those two, you know? Um, yeah, that's a problem. Like, who, how are they going to guard those guys? Uh, okay, very, very good point. Um, you know, now they have the, now the Bucks have to deal with the other side of the equation too. But um, yeah, of course, of course, but, it's like well, it's like it's like the Shaq thing. Like, how would yeah. Shaq? You know? Yeah, I mean, let's see. I mean, you have to throw <laughs> in the starting lineup. Um, uh, who's guarding Giannis in the starting lineup uh, of the Warriors? Uh, I guess it's going to have to be Draymond. That's not terrible for them. Um, well, Giannis, yeah, I mean, they probably wouldn't even put Giannis on Draymond. No, but they put Draymond on Giannis. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, if Giannis yeah. goes back and, and just can't shoot at all from the outside like we had seen in years past, then they could actually put Looney on him and, <laughs> and just give him, you know, 15 feet of space. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But he would still get a running start right at Looney. Yeah. Probably that's, still yeah. gets the buckets. Yeah. Yeah. We have some more Super Chats. Let's get to these. All right. Well, although, let's see here. Uh, Hubie's '80s Knicks aren't remembered by a lot of people. Uh, that is true. Um, and let's see if he. Oh, oh, he actually. Let me jump over. Oh, that was it. Okay, uh, buzzer beater came back to us for another super chat. Thank you so much. That was unnecessary, but I uh, thank you uh, to t- tell us what the shock troops were. Are you ready? It was Ernie Grunfeld. So there you go. Good call. Uh, Len Elmore. Wow. Daryl Walker. Yeah, I, think he, I think he's in media now, Len Elmore. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he does yeah. all the college games. He's great. Yeah. Daryl Walker, um, Ken Bannister, and Louis Orr. Uh, was Daryl wait? Was that was Daryl Walker the one that was in the dunk contest one year? No, Sky isn't that Walker? Kenny Walker? That's Kenny oh. Skywalker. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> who? Um, yeah. Who? Hey, this who, is before. Hey, this is pretty good for these guys playing before. I think I was probably alive. So. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, I'm. I I remember this. I was, you know, you know, ten, eleven, whatever. But I remember. You, some you can definitely. I, I wish we had a question about the Van Gundy mix. I would know a little bit more, but that is a great question. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so obviously, like, with the, with the five, like, Ernie Grunfeld, Len Elmore, Daryl Walker, Ken Bannister, and Lee Orr, I mean, that must have been a really fun team where they spaced the floor a little bit. They could shoot it. I mean, Daryl Walker could shoot. Louis Orr could shoot. Uh, I can't remember Ken Bannister's game. It's not coming to me right can, now. Can Dan Grunfeld shoot? Uh, Ernie Grunfeld. Oh, Dan Ernie, Grunfeld Dan's, might Dan, be the Dan's brother. Dan's son. Dan's his son. Uh, Ernie... Ernie... Well, Ernie could score, like, like the ball, the rock. He, Ernie played with... Um, um, the starter with um, with Bernard King, Ernie and Bernie, uh, was the duo at. Um, oh, that's right. They had a thirty for thirty on it. Yeah, at Louisville. Uh, no, where did where did they go? Um, somewhere in the south, a little bit. Um, oh but, God, I feel. But I, like I felt like in college, Ernie was a little bit closer to like star level than obviously was in the NBA. Right? Like they were yeah. more like a du- They were more of a duo in college. Than they yeah. Were yeah. Ernie was probably more like, uh, you know, Christian Leitner in college and then gets to the pros and like did not have that kind of same success. But um, 
but uh, yeah, yeah. then he became the GM. Well, right? actually, Christian Leitner made an All Star game. That's not that's pretty. Did he good, really? Right? He did. Look it up. Oh, okay. Well, good for yeah. good for you, Christian. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, he, he, it was it, it was always a little bit weird to me that he could be that good. Um, and then just not be able to find uh, uh, that kind of, you know, J.J. Redick is a little bit similar, too, because J.J. Redick was just like a was dominating. And then it took him years to kind of get settled and figure out how to fit in. I wonder, the, uh, I wonder if Timmy's going to get a chance from Gonzaga. Uh, I, you know, after, I watched a few of those games in the, in the tournament last year and I was, I just, I don't know if I see it. I don't know. I don't, you know, the way he plays now, I, I just don't see how that would work uh, in the pros. So I, I don't feel great about it. Yeah. I mean, I had that feeling about Luca Garza, but I thought Timmy might have a little bit better of a chance than Luca. Um, yeah. Uh, I got to check him out too. Oh, that way. Well, I'm sorry. Then Luca the, Doncic. No, he's. No, Luca Garza. Garza. He's in the league now. He's in the league now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's in the Pistons. Yeah. Right. Excuse me. Um, yeah, for sure. I, well, we'll see. And then you know the uh, the the guy they have now, Holmgren. What's his first name? Oh yeah, he's gonna be good. Chet. Doesn't he just look really awkward to you though? Um, he's like know. seven foot three, and he can handle the ball, and he can shoot the ball, and he's a great rim protector, and he can slide his feet. Um, yeah, I think right. he's going to be pretty good. I, I don't know. I mean, he's so thin, and it's just like it just looks awkward to me. But I, I need to watch more. <laughs> well, um, well, when you're seven three and you move like that, it's kind of unicornish. I guess. Right. Right. I don't know. I just I uh, I need this before I you know reserve judgment. I want to see some more because I know I saw some they're gonna, highlights. They're going to go at you like the Evan Mobley thing. I know. Coach. I know. Be careful. I mean, I've seen a few highlights from the year before. Like, oh, this <laughs> young guy is so tall. He can, and I you know he can do a crossover and pull up or whatever. I'm like, okay, but you know, it's a lot different than. Than you know, doing that like in the NBA level, or, or you know, but but obviously he's he's got ways to go before he gets there. Um, Coach Nick, you're quite the skeptic. I guess I am. I but listen, <laughs> if, if, if a player catches my fancy, then I'm like I'm all in. I'm I'm a big fan, and I, I want to make sure that they get a lot of hype. So, um, oh, so we'll see. We'll see. Write this down. Like in a few years, the Evan Mobley thing, we'll we'll find out. Because uh, I, I think it's like. I think it's 50-50 where he goes, whether or not he, he, he goes on to have a great career. <laughs> no, Coach Nick, it's more than 50-50. He's going to be good, man. I'm telling you. We'll, we'll see. I mean, listen, if you're talking about getting to the level, next level like the, uh, on the offensive end, I mean, the guy traveled. I mean, by the way, he is already getting the respect from the referees. He travels so much, and they don't call it. And I was like going through this looking like, what is, what is happening here? Um, oh, you know, listen. I think, I'll put, I think I'm pulling up this whole – this last bit of this conversation to put it on Instagram. This was a good one, Coach. All right, Dick. yeah, you're great. a funny guy, Coach. I, Dick. I, I'm, but listen, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm. How many clips are you going to need to see before you believe what I'm talking about on, with Mobley? Is it like I 20, watch Evan 30? Mobley. I watch it. I told you I was higher on Scotty. Ba- I was really high on Scotty Barnes, but I was like, I told you I was with consensus with Mobley. I saw him play a lot, but I think he's really doing a great job with the Cavs, and they're winning. And he's a big part yeah. of that as a rookie. He is. But by the way, he is a, he is a, good, a very big part of that. Uh, but listen, Jared Allen is like just a monster on defense, erasing hey, everything Garland too. Is, Garland is nice, Coach Nick. And Garland. Is but, uh, Okoro is, Okoro is a, gr- a really good defender too, and they're starting yeah, yeah, him yeah, now. Yeah. And guess what? Lowry Markkinen is playing defense really well too for the first time I've ever seen him do. He guarded Luka Doncic and like was forcing him into terrible shots. Now that's not so new this year for whatever reason. Uh, I started that that uh, that video a couple of weeks ago about the the we, Mavericks. We, we talked about them, Coach. Like Luka doesn't come into the season in shape. Anthony yeah. Davis. Anthony Davis does the same. Harden does the same. I mean, like I know these guys are great players, but you just got to be honest. Like they don't come into the season in shape. And I know Harden had some injuries, but. That's just that's just I'm not expecting it from them anymore. Uh, I guess, but at this point, it, it, you know, Luca's on-off numbers are, are are not good. And uh, no, I'm telling you, he's not he's not he's not the player he should be as of right now. Like, and I was high on Luca since Euro League. Like, I was saying he should be the number one pick. So I I got to be honest, you know. Yo, I mean, listen, I I was saying it that louder than you were <laughs> back then. Um, and uh, and it's just weird to me that he would be that ineffective, having you know have all this experience and you know, okay, we're 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 already you know over a month into the season. Like he, if he's not in shape now, then then I, there's something else going on. And it's just the Jason Kidd effect. We'll have to look at that. Uh, I'm going to take a deeper dive because, by the way, I was doing it. I, they weren't running offense. There wasn't much to see, you know, and that was kind of ugly. And I was going to do this whole video, but then I was like, you know, they, they were like four and one, and then they were like seven and three. Like they were winning games, and so I was like, well, this can't really be that much, even though people were kind of murmuring about it. Well, guess what? Now the record is, um, you know, ten and nine. 
right? They've they're uh, they were four. They've only won four of the last ten. That's so a similar record to the Lakers, right? The Lakers are twelve and eleven. But guess what? LeBron James just tested positive for COVID. Will be out a lot of games, uh, more games. Well, you know what you should do a video on if what's happening with the Lakers is really Coach Vogel's fault because that's been the narrative. So you can yeah. take a deep dive into that. That'd yeah, be cool. yeah. I mean, it's all like, everyone hates the the lineups. I think that's the big thing for him, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. What are your thoughts? Like, is the narrative correct? Like, do you think a lot of it is is his fault? Well, I mean, listen, with the job he did two years ago to win that title, it's like he should be safe for at least, you know. Well, and also last last year they were a great defensive team as well, even though they didn't win, even though it didn't work out for them. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) listen, this is not a good roster construction. And, you know, I don't know if anybody can win with this. And so it's like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you you have to play Russell Westbrook. What's that? They need Evan Mobley. They need Evan Mobley, right, to go alongside. Maybe they can play. Yeah, they can play four seven footers together. Yeah. No, they need and then they need Chet Holmgren. Then then they can then they'll have they'll be set. Um, by the way, that is the future. Well, I'm glad I can make you laugh that hard. That is the future. Five seven footers who can all dribble and pass and shoot. Right. That is the future. I mean, I think I talked about this with somebody on my podcast. Like, is small ball the future of basketball? And he was trying to say that. Man, who was this? I have his name in my head. He's actually really good. Um, but anyway, he's saying that like five bam out of bios was actually the future of basketball. Like having five, six, nine, six, ten guys that could do a little bit of right. everything. Well, Pat Riley had been talking about that since Magic Johnson. He wanted to have five Magic Johnsons. And again, interestingly enough, Magic didn't really shoot that well from the outside either. Toward the right, end, right. he did. Uh, but with, if you don't have shooting, then it, you forget it. You need to have the shooting. So it can't just be it can't be bams. It's got to be, um, you know, who's the really OGs. Uh, OG can shoot a little bit. Yeah, OG, but he's not quite at that length. Like to 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 make the oh, real Kawhi. Big well, Kawhi's not big. Yeah, enough, right? Kawhi. Yeah, you, you probably want five Kawhis. Uh, maybe maybe a six nine. What was he? Six eight, six nine, whatever he is. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, Paul George, but he's he's an yeah. anomaly. Paul George yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, that would be that, probably you you want uh, yeah you want five Paul George. Just the thing is though that he doesn't have the defensive versatility like a Bam, but you well, know like he can't guard bigs. Right. Yeah. I mean, he to me, he's better than Bam. Like, I love Paul George. I'm just saying. I guess. You yeah. Know, I think defensive versatility. But you could swarm that with the five Paul Georges, and you could double, you know, like like a Jokic, and cause a lot of problems. Well, uh, if Scotty Barnes has a, gets his jump shot all the way there, it could be five Scotty Barnes. Okay, there you go. Well, I, I can't wait to see that. Listen, we got we're long in the tooth here on the show. A great show. Great to have everybody out there. And thank you, everybody, Buzzer Beater and BB Coach JW for the super chats. Uh, and we'll post this and also uh, Buzzer Beater again for the super chat. We'll post this as a podcast in case you missed part of it, all of it, some of it. Um, we'll post it tomorrow. I also have an interview uh, with a guy who wrote a great book that I'm going to try and shove in there as well. So uh, stay tuned for that tomorrow uh, during the day. And uh, Combo, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you, Coach Nick. Thank you so much. Hey, and don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Coach Nick, I'm in.